It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and I am the host of this podcast. Uh, I'm excited today, uh, joined by my friend Chris Voigt. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm excited to chat today. Um, before we get into kind of the content and the conversation, let's hear about you. Tell us about Chris, ministry life, family life, um, kind of where you're coming from. Sure. Well, I'm currently in my post-Easter coma. I'm still in recovery mode from, from last week, so my brain might not be working very clearly. That's awesome. I, um, I am privileged to be, first and foremost, a grandpa. I am Pops, yes. and um, Avery, my five-year-old granddaughter, is the center of our lives. My wife, Didi, and I have been married for uh, almost 30 years, and we have two kids, and right now, life revolves around our granddaughter. If we could have figured out how to skip kids to go straight to Avery, <laughs> we would have done that because it's a lot more fun than raising kids. That's amazing. I am Chris Voigt, and I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> that way, I also won't get in trouble for my family. That's for right. forgetting. <laughs> my wife's okay that she's number two right now on the it's list of <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but beyond that, I um, have been in ministry. Uh, I've been leading worship in some form since I was in middle school. And I've been in ministry actively since I was uh, 18 years old. I've been here at Dayspring. Uh, Dayspring hired me in 20, 2000, the year 2000, to be the worship pastor. Okay. And I led as the worship pastor here until 2017, where um, I didn't take off the worship leader mantle. I just added on the lead pastor mantle. And so I, um, I am my own boss in both departments that right now, in both departments, that works great. If you've got a problem with the worship pastor. You've got a problem with the lead pastor. <laughs> you, you won't get very far nowadays. That's awesome. That's and awesome. And then for fun, uh, for fun, I've, um, I've led the team for, I think the best worship conference in the world, worship Northwest for about the last 15 years. So good. And I've been at many of those conferences and it's, it is a great, it's a great conference. It's a great love, love everything you guys do at that. So that's amazing. Okay. I, so you lead work, do you, you're leading worship and you're preaching and that is correct. That is correct. That is, Oh, my hand, my palms are getting sweaty thinking about that, but you got this. You know, it's, it's funny when we, when I first became the lead pastor, I felt guilty about that. I felt like I had to give it up. Um, because you don't see many, many lead pastors who lead worship. Right. And I was having a conversation with God shortly after the the fact where I was trying, I was wrestling with, with what I felt like my responsibility was in this new stage of life. And God said, Chris, embrace the way I've wired you. Mm. And so I've really um, chosen to take that tact um, in, in how I lead the church um, I, God hasn't, is not done with me yet as a worship yeah. leader and that's okay. 
Um, so we'll see how long this particular season lasts where I wear both hats, but yeah. I'm having fun. Yeah. So good. Well, this, this month, the reason I wanted to have a conversation with you is this month we're talking about, um, creatives and being in on a staff of maybe non-creatives, um, how creatives operate differently than maybe other, other, uh, staff members or, um, and other people on their staff. And it's, uh, and so I was like, I got to talk to you because you you are now you have now done both roles and you're doing both roles. Um, and so before we jump into that, like how let's start with the creative question. Like, how would you define what a creative or who a creative is? Well, I think um, I think I I personally differentiate between an artist and a creative. Yeah, I think um Though certainly good artists are creative, um, good artists are usually creative in their own lane. Um, Chip and Dan Heath wrote a book, I think it's Made to Stick, where they talked about um, the concept of spotlighting an area. Um, when you're trying to solve a problem or you're looking at an issue, um, you spotlight that and you kind of exclude everything else. So a, a really good bass player might be really creative in their spotlight. Um, and might be even looking if they're growing and changing to kind of grow their spotlight a little bit, um, but aren't necessarily a creative in a in the broader sense. And in in from my perspective, um, a creative is someone who's trying to blur the edges of a lot of spotlights and bring them together to uh, paint a picture to to connect the senses to create an experience for uh, in our case for an audience that is hopefully life-changing where are the edges of the spot that's such a good picture that's such a great like as you kind of uh um uh set set that together that's such a great picture or earlier this month um we got to chat with brian taylor from slingshot uh, and he said uh, steward of innovation. And I was like taking, taking creation and taking it and making it a bigger thing. And, um, I love that you can differentiate between creative and artists. Cause I do think that that's a big, uh, place. And a, a lot of people think, um, the English language doesn't have a lot of words. And so you go a, a creative is, is creative. An artist is creative, but not, might not be a creative. And it, so it, it's kind of how that kind of all plays out. So I love that. Well, I, now you, oh, go ahead. I, well, I also think that um, we have a tendency to, when we use the, we just bandy around the word creative, we and we think of it in the concept of art. Yep. Um, I know lots of people who would say they are not creative as artists, but they're really creative in whatever their lane is. And so, a chef might be creative in the kitchen. My wife is a creative organizer. She wouldn't think of her as herself as as an artist or creative necessarily, but people who um, are, who approach whatever their lane is with excellence and want to grow and get better and make others better, they're creative in whatever that lane is. It's so good. And I, yeah, yeah. And that um, out a lot of times creativity gets put in, like you said, gets put into the arts. Um, like my, my, I have two older brothers that they're both into business and stuff and they love creating spreadsheets. And that mm -hmm. makes my head spin, but like they're, they get excited about making things in business where, and I'm like, you, it's creative in your own right. And 
Um, so that's that's huge. Now you've always been you've always been a lover of creatives and have served creatives in all areas. You talked about worship Northwest. Um, why are you why are you passionate about helping creatives and serving them and helping them be better? What what where does that come from for you? Uh, when I first started here at Dayspring, uh, I um, I still had the other the previous worship pastor here at the church, um, and there was a lot of unhealth in the creative team uh, w- within the whole church as well, but in in the creative team, it looked really great on stage, but off stage it was broken, mm-hmm. and um, I immediately went to trying to fix the brokenness to, to kind of restore healing in that area. And it was very, very bumpy. And I felt, I felt very alone at the time. I felt um, my honeymoon period at the church uh, among the creatives was pretty short. Um, I had the whole pastoral team behind me, the elders behind me, but it, it was pretty rough. And I remember uh, sitting with my executive pastor at the time, a man who, who is now a Jesus, and he said, Chris, no one will ever understand the role of a pastor except another pastor. Mm. It takes it takes someone in that role to really understand the weight of the mantle that, that you wear. And uh, at the time, I didn't have any friends outside of uh, my church who understood stood my life. Yep. And so first two years, I was, I was pretty lonely and um, I didn't know if I was doing a good job or not. I didn't know. I'd had no one safe to bounce anything off of. And in 2002, um, we decided as a church that we wanted to try to bring a Tommy Walker from Southern California yeah, after yeah. our community and outreach. And he required that we put a team of 10 um, churches together for that. And so we did, we got the worship leaders from, from 10 churches together and some of them who were already together in a group that was putting on the worship Northwest at, at its infancy stage. Yeah. And I sat in this group of people who got my life. They understood my life. They helped make me better. And um, out of that, I was asked to teach at worship Northwest um, that next year. And over time, those relationships have deepened and have helped me be, be a better person, helped me to stay in ministry Amen. when so many people burn out because I have brothers and sisters in arms who get my life and I get theirs and we can support one another. So that's made me pretty passionate about helping in particular worship leaders, yeah. um, build networks of people outside of their churches who can be safe friends to encourage and challenge and cry with and all of that, all of that other stuff. I love that. And I think I love that it comes from, that comes from experience birthed this, this place. And you're like, I see a need, I fix a need. And, you know, and it wasn't just a short lived concept. You're, you're carrying that mantle through and, um, and, continually to continually continually doing that um because it's yeah there's so much I'm, i mean i'm in the same boat like you where you where you see that need and have conversations with people where you go like you're the loneliness that happens in ministry and um because oftentimes 
you want to talk about stuff, but your friends maybe attend the church and you're like, I'm, I'm kind of isolated from being able to talk about struggles that I might have or um, things that might go on. And in a lot of cases, you're like, it's even, even on staff, you go, can I talk to people on my staff? But I might have the struggle with the person I'm talking to. Yeah. And so wh- where does that, where does that leave you? And um, well, now, even with my wife, um, you know, as the head of my home, I have, I feel like I share a certain responsibility to help her journey, not hinder her journey. And so I would have to be very careful about how I processed my pain with her because she loves me and she is in my corner. And when those thoughts come out, um, it, you know, it hurts her walk with Jesus if I'm not careful. And so even then, you you know, as a pastor to my wife, I had to be careful. Yeah. And I don't, this is like one of those things in ministry that people don't talk about until you're in it. And then mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, people maybe go through college, like go through ministry and there's not like a class on this in like prepping right. for ministry, you know, where you get, and then you go, why didn't anybody tell me this? When is I, as before I jump in and um, you know, and in the creative line of that, where, you know, you're, you're, you not only are you a pastor and you carry that mantle, you also carry the the issues that come with being creative and what you're doing on Sunday is uh, is expressing something that you have made, whether it's arrangements or art or uh, and and then you know you deal with there the the biggest comment card section on a Sunday morning comes from the worship team and stuff. Everybody has an opinion on what life looks like and what ministry looks like, but now. Coming from uh, a you know leading worship, and now you're in the lead role, and now you're doing both, but you also so you wear both hats. Can you speak to the frustrations that might arise between the two roles? Because you know I go to a lot of conferences, and there's always a class on how to deal with your senior pastor, and or like and how to how to handle you know he doesn't he they they don't get me, or I'm in a staff meeting and I try and express an idea, and it might get shot down, or they don't. I'm trying to, you know, process growing and it's not just maybe an intellectual space. It's more, um, desiring to create. And I don't, how do I do that? Well, can you kind of talk to that since you wear both hats? Sure. Um, from the, from the worship leader perspective, I, I, at some point early on, I learned this. I don't know where I learned it from. Maybe God just gave it to me, but I, I figured out early on that um, my role is to support the lead, the lead pastor. Um, He's the one that has been charged by the elders and the congregation to move the ball down the field with regards to their, to, to, to their discipleship. And, and I, I am called to play a role in that under his leadership. And so Whoever that person is, whether they're creative or not, my job is to understand their rhythm and how they process so that when I bring an idea to them, it's not a a huge leap for them to, to, to jump on that bandwagon. If I'm coming in with ideas that are out way out of the ballpark or way out of their comfort zone, it's never going to fly because the, it's too big of a leap. It, I've got to understand that person. 
when our last lead pastor first came to Dayspring, we were a, a, a little quirkier on the weekend services than we became. Um, we we happened to to just we like to have fun. We like to enjoy the service, and we had a couple of uh, regular um, things that we did in the service that were fun. The congregation loved. We had an, a a little old lady that was our drama director would dress up as this little old lady and she'd come pounding on the doors and she'd want to complain about the volume or some other thing. And, and we would, we would tackle an issue in a really humorous way as we talked about it. They always made fun of my hair because it was always standing up or colored or whatever. I mean, it, we just had fun. We, we like to make fun of ourselves. Yeah. And when he came, that just wasn't who he was. He was a far more serious guy. Okay. So any idea that, that we had that pushed him so far out of his comfort zone, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't process it mm. and it never yeah. worked. The ideas that did work were ideas that were just maybe one step beyond his comfort zone where, where we could challenge him a little bit, meet him where he is and take him a little bit further. Those ones worked but he wasn't going to do anything wacky. It just wasn't who he was. So my job was to understand him and how he processed and his rhythm. He was the kind of guy that, that spent 20 hours a week studying for his message. He'd have far more by the end of the week than he did at the beginning week. And he wouldn't necessarily know where he was going, which made creativity really challenging Okay, because when when he's still writing his sermon on Saturday morning and you have services on Saturday night at, at some level that you're not going to be able to do really f fun, interesting things, right? Because he doesn't even know how the message is going to end. So in those cases, we just did what we, what we, you know, we, we were just careful to honor him and his role, but try to insert creativity in ways that complemented him rather than they might not be our plan a but we didn't make plan b be the enemy the good wasn't the enemy of the great in the jim collins speak we just yeah. did the best we could understanding his rhythm now would you say in the long game that from start to finish those you guys were in two different places because the ball kept getting moved down the court and relationship was growing um the relationship continued to grow I'm not sure that he ever got comfortable beyond who he, who he was. Okay. It, we, we just constantly had to come around where he was, Yep. but that was my job. Yep. My job was to support his mission and he gets to decide what the best way to move our church forward is. Yep. And I support him. Yeah. That's big. I mean, cause it's, uh, as, as creatives, like you get an idea and it's like that sometimes is, the most important thing in our brain where we go, I have an idea and it's going to work. It's going to be amazing. And that and we get stuck on it. And um, I think the it's important to remember the long game and go, it might be good next year or it might be good in the future. I have a, I have a running ideas list that I, that I, I just pour into regularly of things where I go, that's a great, I'm going to write it down and mm -hmm. come back to it. Maybe this might not be the right season, but when it is the right season, I want to remember this idea. And so I come, I regularly open it up and it's like, oh, that was good. Let's, this is, yeah. this is the right season for that. And 
um, I can see how that would work in this scenario as well. Definitely. Um, I, I think also in that um, you have to, as you're thinking of creative, creative ideas, yeah. uh, you have to hold them with open hands. Um, no, there is not one idea ever that I've come up with that ended up exactly the way that I, that the idea started. Everything morphs, everything changes as, um, you know, you, the actor that you wanted to play that role isn't available or the musician that, you know, could really pull that off. They're not on that week. Yep. Everything yep. Um, morphs and changes and you have to hold everything with open hands and trust that God is sovereign and he knows how to connect with his people and he'll, the ideas that he wants to happen will happen yeah. the way he wants yeah. to happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, um, it's easy, it's easy as a creative to let the no discourage you from creating, like constantly getting no's and hearing that, like, it's not going to work. What would you say to the worship leader who maybe is listening and is feeling that discouragement constantly being, having, maybe being shot down from leadership or it's like, there's just, they, they feel like there might be like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do things, but it's not working. Um, like, how do you, how would you speak to maybe that discouragement? I think um, the the best advice I could give would be in your lane, be as creative as you can be. Mm. If if you can't if you can't make something work with the lead pastor the way that you would hope that would work, then do your best always under the authority of the lead pastor and supportive of of his job. But in your lane, then be as creative as you can be. There are other ways to be creative. There's you can be creative with transitions. You can be creative with the forms and styles of songs. There's lots of ways to express creativity that are outside of the joint senior pastor, worship pastor, um, you know, the blending of the scene between them. If you don't get to do anything with that, find someplace else to be creative. And yeah. let that. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, so I appreciate this. I love this. I I this is like I'm I'm sitting here going, gosh, we should have done this sooner. I'm the, the so much so much good is in built in here, and um, I love that you have both hats because I think there uh, not a lot of not a lot of guys roll from worship pastor into lead pastor like you mentioned at the beginning understanding how you're wired because yeah. you know you have you have the ability to do both um earlier this month we were in a in a conversation and we're talking about the differences that worship leaders have to have where it's like creative administratively gifted leadership musical skill and the calling to be a worship pastor all of that gets wrapped up into one person and it's a lot of very things that sometimes don't actually go together and you know administratively gifted and creative aren't the same like that's tend to be two different people and yes. um and so it's you know not everybody's good at all of that and so having you have both hats where you're like leading leading and you know and have the creative side is just a great a great place so the as the lead pastor the other side of that equation for me has been um i mean i'm a i'm a pretty creative person but in my role as the lead pastor, it takes a lot of brain work. I, you know, I'm, 
I am a constant creator. I'm creating a message every week, at least one, depending yeah. on whatever else might be going on. Um, I'm I'm trying to to move the church down, you know, the ball down the field for the church. I'm connecting with people in a pastoral role. It takes a lot of brain work, and I feel most of the time like there's not a lot of leftover to be creative. Mm. Um, I just I'm just tired a, a lot more and the best creativity happens in margin. And right now for all of my friends in ministry, I know they're the same as me. There's not a lot of margin. And so I feel like I haven't been, I haven't gotten to express my creativity the way I hoped it would be as a lead pastor, except for shining moments here or there. Uh, and so for the worship pastor trying to understand the lead pastor's role, um, your lead pastor is like me. It, your lead pastor it constantly spends brain power, and sometimes there just isn't any left. And that's where understanding how a person is wired, who they are, how you can come around them and support them might give you more credibility and um and bank more uh, for the future when you do have ideas that are a little more out there. Um, it, you're, you're building trust because you're 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 tangibly helping that your lead pastor become the very best that he can be or she can be. In, yeah, in the that's amazing. Um, you may have just answered this question, but maybe there's more to it in my head. Is there anything that lead pastor Chris would tell worship pastor Chris? At lead pastor Chris would tell worship pastor Chris and worship pastor Chris did not get this for too many years. Just, yeah. I mean, this was a, a learned thing. Um, we have a tendency to, again, if we think about our lane or our spotlight to focus on our spotlight. So as a worship pastor, too many worship pastors, including myself in the past would just think about my role in the service. And it's just, you know, it's about worship. It's a holy calling. We're calling people to, to express their, their love and devotion for God. And all of that is totally true and, um, and very important. However, um, as the lead pastor, what I would tell the worship pastor is that you also play a role in the discipleship of our congregation mm -hmm. and um, everything if, if we want to do that well, we have to understand as worship leaders what discipleship looks like, what our role is in discipleship and helping people grow, um, not just worship. You can, you can worship and not grow. And worship in and of itself, that's not bad. But it's better if our worship helps someone grow. Mm -hmm. um, let me give you a quick example maybe a quick example. I could talk for two hours on this, but um, the way the brain is wired, uh, science shows that, um, that joy is the gateway to spiritual growth. Okay. As worship leaders, we are the people who set the tone for joy on a Sunday morning. So yep. when we plan our worship sets, how much joy do we infuse into that? When we look at our congregation from stage, how much joy do they see in, in our faces, in seeing them, 
the authors of the book, The Other Half of Church, which is a fantastic work on this subject, um, say that that joy is what happens in your body when someone's eyes light up because they see you. It sets off a chain reaction in your in your brain. I liken it to my my five-year-old granddaughter, Avery. Every single time she sees me, her eyes light up, her arms go out, and she yells, pops, as she runs to my arms. Mm. That's That does something physically in my body. It's not just a, a momentary thing. It changes my brain chemistry. And that that feeling is the gateway to spiritual growth. So what, what we can do as worship leaders is heighten joy. Yep. Uh, one of the things I do every, every Sunday morning is just the countdowns going down on the screens. There's like 30 seconds left. And I'm usually found running through the audience, running through the aisles, greeting people, smiling, welcoming them, hugging them. It's all natural about who I am. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not a, it's not by design. It's just who I am. Yep. I greet people. I love on people that it heightens joy. How many worship leaders just go back to their green room or kind of get all together with their team and they don't think about anything about the congregation until they walk on stage, the lights go on and now they're, they're leading people in worship, right? Leading start long before the service begins on a Sunday morning and how you greet people, how you love on people before the service and then lead them in joy opens them up to, to life change from God's word later on in the service. Amen. Ah, it's amazing. Uh, I love this. So we call our podcast the table and I believe good conversation happens around good food. And, um, cause that's just how we roll here at, at on this podcast. So if I'm coming over to the Voight house for dinner, what would be on the table? What is the, what do you guys do? What's the thing that you guys like to do? Well, my family would tell you that I make a pretty mean meatloaf and mashed potatoes. So that would probably be my, my get go. Um, I also pick, make a pretty mean um, macaroni and cheese from scratch and Alfredo mm. sauce. Um, so that's along the line. I like Italian food, so it yeah. might be Italian, but it could be meatloaf. It's pretty good. All of that sounds, all of that sounds great. All of that. Now there is bad meatloaf, but there is good meatloaf. So yeah, if, mine is if, not the bad. Meatloaf, you're not the bad mine. meatloaf. It's the good meatloaf. No, it's a good meatloaf. That's amazing. And I love on a good day, um, on Monday, I made a marionberry pie from scratch. So on a good day, you might get something like that too. Do you like spending time in the kitchen and doing stuff like that? I, I do. It's kind of just, it's a way for me to love my family well and just kind of not think about work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a, and we're getting into the season now where like being outside and grilling is a good, it's like seventies mm -hmm. all week. And I, yeah. I standing in front of the grill, you're not at work and you just get to create and you get to eat. And then yes. there's usually speaking of joy, there's usually joy at the table when you sit down and people are, it's like the joy that comes from the joy that comes from good food, man. It's that's how, it's how I do things. How I roll. Ah, I love it. Hey, so how do we connect with you with worship Northwest? Like all of the things, how do we connect with Chris? Sure. All of the usual worshipnorthwest.com. 
would be a great place. It still has last year's, this la we had just had the conference in February. So we haven't updated to next year yet. Although we have our keynote speaker for the first time earlier than we ever have had. Wayne Cordero is going to be our keynote speaker. Awesome. And he'll be fantastic. Yeah. And uh, then Chris Voigt worship.com. Uh, Chris at dayspringfellowship.com or on most socials, I'm at Chris Voigt Worsh. Worsh. So, and that's, yeah. can you, can you, can you spell Voigt for us? Cause yeah, it's V O I G T. Yeah, it's the hidden G. Not like John Voigt and not like Voigt uh, <laughs> athletic equipment. It's V O I G T. You're your own. You have to be your own Voigt. That's a, it's, it's a separate Voigt. Hey, Chris, I appreciate you hanging out today. I appreciate the taking the time to do this. Yeah, this was really fun. Um, awesome, guys. We will see. Uh, we will see you guys uh, next week.